Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining the TBC Power Hour, April 29th of 2020. Uh, the TBC team is super excited about this one today. We'll be having uh, our guest speaker, Dr. Drew Smith from NSRS Modernization Manager at NGS, talk about the NGS 2022 Spatial Reference Framework Modernization. I'm really excited for this one. Thank you for joining, Drew. Um, I am Jeff Ryan, the Product Manager for Trimble Business Center and I'll take a minute to let Dr. Drew um, int introduce himself. Uh, thanks, Jeff. Uh, my name is Drew National Genetic Survey, and um, I know my uh, title is a bit of a mouthful, the NSRS Modernization Manager, uh, but that's exactly why you're here. That's what we're gonna be talking about today. Uh, my job is to make sure that all of the many projects that are moving us towards uh, a new world of surveying in the United States uh, kind of come together. So I've been with NGS for about 25 years, and uh, when I left, uh, I've been there for 25 years, got my PhD from the Ohio State University back in 95, and um, hopefully, uh, hopefully everybody finds something useful in the talk today. So thanks, Jeff. Thank you, Drew. All right, so today we'll, we'll talk about, um, you know, why the modernization is occurring, uh, what and how datums, geoids, and transformations will be impacted. Um, and then on top of that, we'll talk about some modernization efforts, the, the, what, what tools NGS is developing and modifying for this modernization, um, the latest status updates from NGS, how Trimble hardware and software teams are approaching these changes, and then we'll take some time to do some Q&A, um, as well as talk about some of the TBC resources and the next power hour. Um, if you guys have any questions throughout the, the, the webinar, please shoot them in the questions box. We'll try to get them answered as quickly as possible. Um, and if not, we'll, Drew and I will try to answer these later on and get back to everybody. So with that, I'll go ahead and turn it over to Drew, and he can talk about some of these things on the agenda. Fantastic. Okay. Um, well, thanks again uh, for inviting me. I really appreciate the opportunity to talk to you guys about uh, the modernized National Spatial Reference System. Um, Jeff already talked a little bit about the uh, the, the agenda. Uh, so before we even get into that, I thought I would just make a quick note because I know we're going to have a lot of people here. So a quick note to the international attendees. A lot of what you're going to hear today is relevant to surveying in the United States, but um, two big buts here. Number one, certainly there, there are a lot of aspects to what we're doing here that are relevant to any national uh, reference system. So uh, I hope you can take inspiration. If you're, if you're not serving in the United States, take some inspiration back to, um, uh, to your own particular uh, national reference system. And a lot of the NGS tools that we are building can be used by anyone anywhere. So uh, hopefully there is um, something relevant here for everybody. Um, so the, the outline we kind of already went over, so I, I can kind of skip past this, but you've already heard this. So the first thing I want to share with you is, is a grim view of the future. When, when we told people that we were going to be getting rid of NAD83 and NAVD88, we got a lot of emails that looked like this. Ah, what are you doing to us? Things, it's a terrible future. Uh, but we're hoping that uh, after, you know, after I have a chance to talk to you and answer your questions that you're going to think this is a bright future and that you're going to see all the uh, the positive sides of modernizing the NSRS uh, that we're trying to, uh, to build for our customers. All right, so the decision to modernize came from NGS around 2007 when we put out a 10-year plan. Our mission is the NSR, that is providing the geodetic control to the nation. And we decided to completely upend how we're doing it. And the best word to describe that is modernize. We decided to modernize the NSRS, took a white sheet of paper and started saying, if we could do things all over again from the beginning, what would we do right? How would we do it? So I'd like to talk to you a little bit about why we even made that decision before I start talking then about what the, those decisions uh, led to. So one of the biggest issues uh, is, as you can see here, these are um, GDEV control marks. We have in the NSRS NAVD88, the official vertical datum of the United States, and it suffers from the use of infrequently surveyed geodetic control marks. The problem with, uh, with relying upon that is, is numerous. There's, these things are almost never checked for movement. They disappear all the time. We are not funded to replace them. They're not necessarily in a convenient place. Uh, they don't exist in most of Alaska. Uh, they weren't adopted in Canada as, as far as the vertical datum itself goes. 
And NAVD-88 was, was a level network constrained to a single point, and that allowed cross-country error to build up. So um, while that was the perfect thing for the time, space-age geodesy has led us to a much better understanding of how to put out a vertical datum. So this is no longer the right tool for, uh, for the future. <clears throat> All right, uh, so as I mentioned, there's a um, cross-country buildup in NAVD-88 that manifested in two ways, a, a bias of about a half a meter and a northwest-southeast trending tilt across CONUS. Um, that leads us to, to believe these are systematic errors in all of the heights in CONUS alone. Uh, it's actually uh, slightly worse in Alaska. And then each of the individual um, territories uh, of the United States, that are speci specifically island-based, uh, American Samoa, Puerto Rico, Virgin Islands, they have their own vertical datums with similar issues. All right, that was from the vertical standpoint. From the geometric standpoint, we now know that uh, the ITRF, uh, especially um, the most recent ITRF 2014, it's the best estimate of the geocenter of the United States, or excuse me, of the world. Um, but in the United States, we use NAD83, and NAD83 was predominantly built using pre-space age technology. And so the geocenter as defined by NAD83 is almost two meters, or excuse me, it's over two meters off from the current best estimates of ITRF. That causes systematic errors around the uh, minus two to plus two meter range in latitudes, longitudes, and ellipsoid heights uh, for people who use NAD83. Also, we rely on geodetic marks, and these marks are set in the crust, but the crust itself we know is dynamic, and the way NGS has put out the uh, National Spatial Reference System has perpetuated this uh, long-standing myth in the surveying community that you can put a coordinate on a mark, and that coordinate sits for you know in perpetuity, but that's not that's not true. And especially with the accuracy of surveying today, you know we can see this rotational signal, for example, in in CONUS, uh, plus a deformational signal on the west coast. Those are changes at the multi-centimeter per year level. And when you're surveying at the centimeters uh, of accuracy level, this manifests in coordinates day in and day out, year in and year out. And so what we've decided to do instead is embrace this time dependency, model it, understand it, so that on the one hand, if people wish to work in a system that has time dependency, they can. But if we can take away um, that time dependency, if we can understand it, if it's a signal of annoyance uh, to people, we can take it out of the coordinates. But we wanted to fully embrace it rather than just perpetuating the myth of a single coordinate through time. All right, so more details would come, but in 2007, we set the, the right general direction, and we're still headed in that direction. We would replace NAD83 and NAVD88 at the same time. They are two massive halves of the NSRS, and uh, they, they interplay with one another, and frankly, uh, we did not want to try to upend the system twice to our users, so we're going to do it all at once at a single go. We are changing how we're doing a vertical datum. We're transitioning to a geoid-based vertical datum uh, rather than a mark-based vertical datum. And we're gonna leverage the rise of multiple constellations and especially on the ground, uh, the rise of real-time networks. So some of the best sources of information uh, besides uh, coming to webinars like this is to actually read some of the documents we've been putting out and the most detailed ones about modernizing the NSRS are in what we're calling the blueprint documents. They came out in 2017 and 2019. Uh, they talk about geometric coordinates in the first, geopotential coordinates, that's heights and gravity in the second, and then actually surveying in this modernized NSRS uh, in the third. Uh, heads up, these are all being refreshed and updated and expect new versions of all three of them out by 2020, and we do expect that will be the last update to these documents, and we will then treat them truly as blueprints and build to them for the modernized NSRS. All right, so let's dig into some of the details. Uh, replacing NAD83 really should be replacing the NAD83s because there are, in fact, three global frames, each with the word NAD83 in it, each one of these three frames was built to support a particular region. Um, but we are gonna be replacing those three frames with four frames. 
and the four frames, uh, the names now reflect the actual regions, specifically the tectonic plate that these frames were designed for. Uh, the reason NAD 83-2011 is split into two is because NAD 83-2011 treated the Caribbean plate as if it were moving like the North American plate. We, we know that's simply not true. It has its own specific and distinct motions. And so if the intent is to understand, co you know, systematic movement of coordinates uh, at, over time, we had to treat those two different systematic signals differently. And so they're coming out with two separate frames. All right. So... We mentioned there's four tectonic plates. If you did not know where the Mariana Plate was, there you go. It's off on the west coast of the Pacific. Uh, these individual plates are moving in specific ways, and the intent of creating these frames for a plate is not only to embrace time dependency, but as I mentioned before, to understand it and remove it if we can. And so let me talk a little bit more about that. So these four terrestrial reference frames, they're all global frames, there's no boundary, just because NatRef is built to work specifically with the North American plate does not mean you can't use NatRef anywhere you like. It will be defined globally, but it is built specifically for a specific reason on North American plate. Uh, by the way, the, all, the, all three of the NAD83s are the same uh, uh, as far as being global frames usable anywhere. Each frame we put out is going to rotate with a tectonic plate. So uh, a little catchy way to think of that is we rotate the frame so that your coordinates don't have to. So let me show you that graphically because I could say it in a thousand words, but it might be a lot easier just to, to visualize it. So if, for example, right now you, you wanted to work in the ITRF, you'd be working in ITRF 2014. You'll see in all these slides, ITRF 2020, and there's a reason. We're building the modernized NSRS into uh, a connection with ITRF 2020. We originally thought it'd be 2014, but 2020 will be out in time to support the modernized NSRS. So we're building the ITR 2020. If you're on CONUS somewhere, CONUS has many different motions, but its predominant motion is a rotation of the whole North American plate. So if you're in ITR 2020 working in a particular uh, location, over time, the plate is going to rotate like this. The frame is rigid and holds still while the plate rotates underneath it. As you can see, obviously, your latitude and longitude are going to change over time if you're an ITRF 2020 user. NatRef will be built in a way so that it rotates with the North American plate. Now, not that that's the only motion going on, but it is the predominant motion going on in most of CONUS. And so NatRef 2022, if you're working, its frame will rotate with the actual plate itself. And there, there you can see that this is what is a so-called plate fixed frame. For the most part, the biggest signal uh, is going to be taken out by working in NatRef. Now, you might have to go back and forth between the two, and that's not a problem because NGS will put out a model called ETP 2022, and that's just sort of a science nerdy way uh, of describing the rotation of the North American plate within ITRF. EPP stands for Euler Pole Parameters, and it is literally just the three parameters that describe the rotation of that plate. So the frame for NatRef will rotate away from ITRF 2020 as time goes on. They will be identical at 2020.0 there. But then as time goes forward, and in fact, if you wanted to progress or regress back in time before 2020, uh, they'd be different frames. It would be different based on this model, EPP 2022. All right. So um, how is this going to impact you? Well, it's going to impact you on the geometric side and on the, on the vertical side. Geometrically speaking, uh, we assume many of our users have uh, tons of data in NAD83, whether it be a survey, a map, any geospatial data at all. You have data likely in NAD83 if you're surveying in the United States. So you need to take some of that data and probably bring it forward into the modernized NSRs. Of course, the most accurate way to get modernized NSRs coordinates is to go resurvey things, but not everybody can do that. Not everybody can afford to do that. Uh, and NGS has for um, a long time supported transformation tools to take people from one datum or one realization of a datum into another. And we'll continue to do that. So uh, the shift is that 
NADCON type of transformation tool that we've always supported. So the shift is this. You probably have NAD 83, 2011, EPIC 2010 coordinates. You might need to get to NATREF 2022, EPIC 2020.0 coordinates. And we'll provide NADCON to do that. And that's going to make a shift to all of your coordinates, somewhere in the zero to four meter range, uh, to all three of your geometric coordinates, depending on where you are. And that fixes just the non-geocentricity, and it gets you to the, to the 2020 um, reference epics. But then the drift, and this is more subtle. 2020.0 coordinates are 2020.0 coordinates. They, they by themselves don't have a drift, but all coordinates are time-dependent now. So if I put a coordinate on a point, and it's the 2020.0 epic coordinate, that coordinate is not going to be the same as the 2024. 5.0 coordinate I might put on it. It's not going to be the same as the 2028.723 coordinate you might put on it when you go out and, and survey it in 2028. So having a time tag to a coordinate is going to be a critical part of the modernized NSRS. That's what we mean by the drift. All right, so uh, this is just a, a quick snapshot of what the shifts look like in CONUS. This is just fixing the non-geocentricity before time dependencies alone uh, are also allowed to, to have an impact. Now, let me try to show you just graphically what it means to have something drift through time. Um, and so I'm going to take a, one particular example, and I can show you dozens and dozens of, I don't have time for this. Um, I'm going to show you one of the best, uh, most stable examples. We're going to look at one particular cores, and it's a stable one in, in North Dakota. And we're going to, I'm going to remind you this, NGS will always work in the ITRF first, and then it will turn those ITRF coordinates through time into NATREF, PATREF, CATREF, and MATREF coordinates through time, because it's a simple three-by-three three matrix transformation uh, that does this. So here we are in uh, Bismarck, North Dakota. BSMK is one particular course. And it's in one of the most stable parts of the North American plate. Now, that plate's doing many things. It's rotating, as I mentioned, but it's deforming when it's, when it's um, pushing up against the, the Pacific plate. But here in North Dakota, things look more or less just like a rotation. So if I look at the latitude and longitude and ellipsoid height of this particular cores through time, here's what I'm going to see. Let's start with the fact that I can see if I'm working in ITR 2020, that this station is trending southward. These are five centimeter uh, changes in latitude and five year uh, changes in time. Here in 2020, as I mentioned, all five frames will be completely identical to each other. Then from 2020, they'll begin to drift away from each other. So in ITRF, this, we can see in latitude, the station is trending southward. But if I take away that North American rotation, no problem. This time-dependent latitude is really quite stable. Now, I picked this station on purpose because I love seeing how stable it is. I could pick a station, for example, in Southern California and show you how not stable these coordinates are because Southern California is suffering a significant amount of deformation being near the Pacific Plate. But I could even pick a station in, say, Kansas, that has a very slight little deformation that's happening in that state, and then the NetRef coordinates are not quite as stable. Nonetheless, uh, I thought this would be the best example to show how when I say time-dependent, it doesn't mean that it's changing in time. It means that a 2020 coordinate and a 2025 coordinate and a 2030 coordinate on this particular station are likely to look quite similar through time, if not completely identical. But NGS, uh, because you can easily get an ITRF coordinate and turn it into anything else, I can easily show you the NATREF coordinates, the CATREF coordinates, the PATREF coordinates, the NATREF coordinates, all with ITRF here, because they're all relatable back to that ITRF coordinate, no problem. So in latitude, it looks like this. In, in long, uh, so in 2020, the frames are identical, and as I mentioned, in NATREF, this particular uh, coordinate looks stable through time. Now in longitude, uh, again, with five centimeter breaks here and five year breaks here, um, similar sort of situation. They're going to be identical in 2020. Uh, in ITRF, you can see that this particular station is trending hard to the south. 
But when I take away the North American rotation, this station looks semi-stable. And again, it's because the, the, the frame is rotating with the plate. But this is an interesting thing. Taking away plate rotation does nothing to fix the fact that this station is subsiding. So whether you work in ITRF, NATREF, PATREF, NATREF, or CATREF, the ellipsoid height is dropping at this particular rate. There is no difference between the two because taking away a horizontal rotation does nothing to change what's happening in the ellipsoid height. So just graphically, again, here's that predominant rotational signal going on in much of CONUS. But west of the Rockies, you get a non-rotational signal that is, that is um, uh, full of deformation. And so if I take away, again, that North American rotation, boom, I get small, not necessarily zero, but very small changes through time. Now that deformation over here is still very strong. But notice here, even in Minnesota, you know, these are tiny signals at the sub-millimeter per year, but they're not completely zero. This is not a plate made of titanium that is absolutely rigid and unmoving. There are things going on on this plate all the time that cause slight deviations from this perfect tectonic rotation. This will all be captured in something called the intra-frame velocity model of 2022, right there. All right, IFBM 2022 captures all the velocities besides that tectonic rotation. All right, that was a geometric look. Let's talk about the, uh, the vertical. Right now we have a bunch of standalone products, a vertical datum in, in CONUS and Alaska, vertical datums in, in various island territories, a Great Lakes datum, a gravity standardization net, a geoid model, a deflection model, all more or less independent of each other. They'll all be bundled under one thing called the North American Pacific Geopotential Datum of 2022. NAPGD 2022, you don't want to know how many hours we spent talking and debating and trying desperately to find a much better acronym than that. Um, sadly, that is, uh, it, 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 it just couldn't be found. So NAPGD 2022 it is. Uh, it will contain something called geoid 2022, which is going to be the official transformation from your ellipsoid heights to your orthometric heights. Geoid 2022 will come out in three regions. The largest is this quarter Earth region that's going to span Alaska, CONUS, Hawaii, Puerto Rico, the U.S. Virgin Islands, and then all of these foreign territories within this particular uh, quarter of the Earth. It'll be available for free to anybody who wishes to, wish to adopt it. And then we're also going to have two smaller regions, one that covers American Samoa, one for Guam and CNMI. That covers uh, pretty much the 99.9-odd percent of the population of the United States. All right, so there's a shift and drift in the uh, vertical as well. Uh, in NAVD 88, um, your coordinates are going to, again, experience a shift and a drift. Uh, the shift is now fixing that half-meter bias and that one-meter drift that I mentioned. Uh, plus, it's going to fix uh, – and that was just over CONUS fixed problems in Alaska, plus it's going to uh, impact any stations, or excuse me, any marks that have been surveyed recently where we have found out that they've been subsiding and hadn't been tracked. So uh, you could certainly see uh, much larger changes than that. And then again, the embrace of time dependency. We're going to get you to 2020.0, but that is just for that particular epoch. Everything comes with an epoch now. All right, so uh, in CONUS, this is the, the sort of changes you might expect, and that's just that bias and drift. In Alaska, you're going to see uh, these sort of changes. Uh, and I put this up uh, specifically uh, because, first of all, it's, it's, um, I think it's illegal for me to give a talk without putting at least one equation somewhere in here. So this one seemed like a, a simple enough one to, to throw in. But I wanted to mention that this equation is built to close both scientifically and in the modernized NSR. In the past, with NGS, you would have seen NAD83 here. You would have seen hybrid geoid models over here and NAVD88 over here. And what you would have realized if you put those numbers together is they did not close. And just did not go out of their way to enforce it because there was error in all three and we did not want to assign error to one particular thing. Now we are treating the geoid model in many ways. We're treating it a lot like how you would treat, say, GRS80. It is a perfect transformer between X, Y, Z Cartesian coordinates and lat long ellipsoid height. GOA 2022 will be a perfect transformer between your ITRF 2020 or NATREF, PATREF, NATREF, CATREF ellipsoid heights and orthometric heights in NAPGD 2022. And remember, over here, ellipsoid heights, doesn't matter what frame you're in because they're all going to look the same. So 
All right, that's a definitional relationship. We're going to do all our work in Cartesian ITRF 2020 coordinates, get that ellipsoid height coming out of there. We're going to convert definitionally through the geoid and end up with NAPGD 2022. All right, how's this going to impact you? You're sitting on data, for example, and you've got to get into the new system. That's an impact. We will provide NADCON upon rollout. So not only will NAD83 and NABD88 come out together, or excuse me, the replacements for them come out together, NADCON will come out with them at the same time. And so depending on where you're at, uh, you will probably have coordinates in a particular frame at a particular epoch, and you're going to want to be transforming to a new frame at a new epoch. NADCON will be there for you. It's going to be built into our, uh, our growing tool, NCAT. Similarly, VertCon will be there for you. That will come out upon rollout. You likely have orthometric heights in a particular uh, vertical datum. You'll transform, get this into NAPGD no matter where you're at, 2020. That's going to be universal to the, uh, the entire system. VertCon will get you that transformation. All right, so um, in the future, you're going to see some of the tools that, uh, that you're familiar with change slightly, but they're going to still have the, uh, that familiar uh, look and feel. But all of our Opus tools are going to yield up five frames. Everything will be done in ITRF first. And if you are happy with ITRF, have a nice day. Happy to have you work in it. But if you need coordinates in the other four frames, NGS will always provide them. That's easy enough to do because it's a simple three-by-three three rotational matrix applied to the ITRF coordinates. We're going to provide this information at various epics. So for example, Opus S, as you know today, provides if you give us, a, let's say, a Rhinex file, we'll provide you coordinates at, at the mean epic of that Rhinex file. You'll still get that sort of thing at your mean epic. But we'll be able to provide you with an estimate of where that point was at the most recent reference, reference epic. And we're doing that at five-year intervals, starting with 2020.0. And if you're used to up uploading your data and adjusting it through, through what we call Opus Projects today, you'll be able to adjust to any data, um, or to, excuse me, to any date <laughs> excuse me, to any epic uh, uh, that you'd like to, the idea is we want to provide tools that help you do your job, uh, providing as much variability as necessary. So some things are going to be similar. If you use Opus S today, you, in the future, you'll use Opus. If you use Opus Projects today, in the future, you'll use Opus. We are um, attempting to, to drop off these hyphenated portions and make Opus one big standalone tool that does all of these things. If you adjust your projects to the current NSRS, you can adjust them in the future NSRs. If you work in the ITRF, you'll continue to work in the ITRF. But here's some new things we're going to add. Let's say you use GNSS today and you'd like to use Opus. You can't, because right now Opus supports GPS only. But right now we are building a new version of Pages, which is the, the um, processing engine behind Opus. Pages is being completely rewritten to be multi-constellational, and so that new version of Pages will be in the new version of Opus. Let's say you have leveling in your shop and you'd like to use Opus Projects. Well, Opus Projects right now is just a GPS-only shop. In fact, it's a long session GPS-only shop. We're talking about two-hour sessions or longer. <laughs> Excuse me. But in the future, we're expanding Opus. <coughs> Pardon me. Sorry about that. In the future, we're expanding Opus not only to support leveling, but to support classical data, to support gravity, and to use all of that data in mixed project adjustments. And if you have ever pulled a data sheet from our database talking about a particular survey mark, you'll use the data delivery system to see a full suite of information about a particular mark. So how can you get prepared? Uh, a couple ways. One is um, right now we're starting to put out some new tools that are going to be supporting and mo uh, modified to continue to support the modernized NSRS. We have a new mobile-friendly mark uh, recovery page. So if you have ever been in the field and thought, man, I wish I could find the survey marks that are near me, now you can. This is this new mark recovery form helps you upload photos of marks you found. Um, we are uh, we're expanding it to do find marks near me. Uh, so the intent is not just to, to, to help you find marks, but it's to help you help the rest of the world. Because as soon as you report it to us, it goes in the database and it's available to everybody else. Plus, if you're working on a project, you can not just, not just recover that mark, not just report it, but tell this tool, hey, by the way, throw this into my project. And when you get back to the office to work on your project, there are all those recoveries waiting for you. 
So please give it a try. By the way, there's a URL here. Um, this entire presentation will be available on the NGS webpage when it's all done. So anything that you found interesting about this, you'll be able to go back and check that. Uh, we'll have that loaded after this talk. All right, a few more slides, and um, we're going to wrap it up. Another way to get prepared, uh, please check out NCAT. That's the NGS Coordinate Conversion and Transformation Tool. Um, our favorite tools, NADCON and VERTCON, uh, have been incorporate, updated and incorporated into this tool. So now you, sh you should be able to do all of your transformations with the current NSRS inside of NCAT. So that is if you have NAD27 data, you can go to any of the realizations of NAD83. Or if you have NGVD29 data, you can use VERTCON to get to NAVD88. So uh, NCAT now has that in. So you can input your data as horizontal plus height, and then you tell it what sort of uh, height you're coming in with, ellipsoidal or orthometric, and it'll do a NADCON or a VERTCON transformation for you. We are continually expanding uh, NCAT, and that's an important point, uh, which I'll reiterate in a second here. So we strongly recommend you use NCAT because this is reaching into a single code library NGS is building. So all of our tools, Opus, NCAT, VDATUM, they all do similar things, and when they do the exact same thing, they will always reach back to a common piece of code. So that's one way NGS is, is, is improving, modernizing, is to make sure there's consistency. So that's important. Um, so anyway, uh, you could use NCAT in your browser. The first thing you could do is simply upload a point at a time. I have this latitude and longitude. It's in NAD27. Tell me what the NAD83 1986 latitude and longitude are, for example. You could upload a text or spreadsheet to NCAT and get back a text or spreadsheet version of all your transformed data. As a web service, this is critical so that the Trimbles of the world and all our other industry partners, they can build their tools to support you, but when they need to do a particular uh, service from, from NGS, their tool runs over to, to talk to our web service, does the transformation, comes back, and it's effectively invisible to you, but they're, what they're doing is relying upon a, a link between our two services. And then if you have, for example, uh, poor internet connection or you like to work just locally, you can download and run NCAT. It is publicly available. It is written in Java code. Uh, the only warning I would give you is, is that it is up, uh, updated frequently. So if you download it, it becomes static. Uh, the best way to make sure you're using the, the latest version is to come back, check NCAT, and re-download. Um, all right, you can also get prepared by coming to our website. There's a link there for the new data. All right, so wrapping up, our status. As you might have guessed, numerous issues have strained NGS resources recently. Staffing issues, we've had a number of good people leave, and hiring has always been a bit of, uh, of a difficulty in, in the federal government. And as you might imagine, current events have got, uh, have sort of upended a lot of things. GrabD, which was collecting data to make that geoid model, is currently grounded. And all that has led to the fact that the likelihood of us hitting all of this and being done by the end of 2022 is starting to grow vanishingly small. We are going to be crafting an official delay message and it'll be out soon. There's still a lot of good work happening. Uh, state plane coordinates, which is a huge part of how our users interact with the NSRS, is uh, on track to be done and designed by the end of 2022. By the end of this calendar year, we're expanding Opus projects to support RTK and RTN vectors coming in so that people don't have to do those two-hour sessions. GravD is over 80% done. That's our collection of gravity for uh, creating the geoid model. That's great news. And we're completely overhauling how the NOAA cores network works. We're evaluating every uh, standard operating procedure from using linear velocities to nonlinear velocities, from how we deal with discontinuities to when do we put a new coordinate function on uh, a station after an earthquake. We're developing a grading state, uh, of stations tool, and this will talk specifically to people about availability of data and quality of data. When those two things are high, you're going to see these stations recommended through tools like Opus to say you ought to use these particular stations because they're available and the data is good today. So in summary, <clears throat> today the NSRS is based on a lot of pre-space age geodetic technology. NAD83 was built on Bilby Towers. NAVD88 was built on leveling. Uh, line of sight leveling. Uh, they've been enhanced through the decades with uh, GPS data. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, 
So modernized NSRS is going to uh, change a lot of that. We're leveraging GNSS. Uh, we are embracing the movements of points on Earth's crust. So you can expect the following. All of your geometric coordinates are going to change by somewhere in the two to four meter range. All of your orthometric heights are going to change by, say, two meters or more. And that just gets you to this 2020.0 reference epic, which is sort of the starting point to get into the modernized NSRS. That looks like it supports the one coordinate forever myth, but it's not because it is a coordinate for 2020.0, not a coordinate for all time. Everything comes with an epic now. After that, we talk about the real motions, uh, and that becomes, you know, the world of geodetic control. But everything is not all about change. There's a lot of things you're still going to be able to do. You're still going to be able to give us a Rhinox file and get a position out of Opus. You'll still be able to adjust your project to some reference epic. You'll still be able to look at a so quote unquote data sheet, although we're calling it a data delivery system now because it's um, much enhanced over a standard data sheet. Well, now there's gonna be a lot more information available to you, a lot more service provided. And that's kind of it. So I'd like to thank you very much for your attention. I'm gonna turn it back over to my friends uh, at Trimble. And then uh, when you're ready, we'll do some questions. Thanks. Awesome, thank you, Drew. Very nice work from the NGS and, and uh quite a bit of an undertaking, as you can all see. Um, this is going to have a big impact on the geospatial industry um, and, and the surveyor, too. So Trimble wants to get this right. And speaking of Trimble, um, I'd like to show you guys what we are doing on our end to get ready for this change. Um, so how is Trimble preparing? Well, we're improving the Trimble geodetic libraries to ensure optimum accuracy um, when transforming coordinates between any static plate fixed or dynamic datums. Uh, we're also updating coordinate system manager with new datums and state plane coordinate system zones um, 2022 provided by NGS. Uh, we'll be focusing on providing a seamless user experience while updating the UI and integrating new libraries across Trimble firmware as in GNSS receivers and Trimble software and business center and access alike. Um, We'll also be in constant engagement with NGS and Drew um, to understand the modernization program as a whole, and then act as an industry leader, uh, providing industry and customer feedback, and really trying to educate um, the survey professionals. Um, so that's kind of why we had this webinar, right? So we've had a lot of questions come in um, from the end users, and we want to let you guys know that we're working hard to make sure that we're, you know, ensuring and doing this change and, and preparing the correct way. So with that, if you guys have some questions, please shoot them in the questions box and we'll try to get to these. I would imagine there's gonna be a lot coming in here. We've got a high attendance rate. How is the, Drew, if you don't mind asking or answering this, how is the NGS new geoid model um, going to affect the Caribbean and Central America? Uh, sure, that's a great question. Uh, as of right now, um, the geoid 2022 model will cover the entire Caribbean and Central American regions. We are likely to roll out GEOID 2022 where new gravity data, that is from our airborne gravity campaign, is probably only going to be over uh, United States territories to start with. So that, that is for the Caribbean, it's Puerto Rico and the US Virgin Islands. But we are, uh, we've been talking with our partners in Mexico uh, and in the in the Central American region and in the Caribbean about whether or not we should be expanding uh, gravity flights uh, into the Caribbean region itself to improve that geoid model. Hang on a second, I'm gonna mute as a mower driver. I could not have picked a worse time to, to mow, <laughs> mow right outside my house. Okay, um, anyway, so uh, geoid 2022 will cover that region. Now, that's not to say that, that the geoid model won't be good. It, it'll be very good because those regions are well covered with um, alt altimetry data and historic terrestrial gravity data already, but uh, we, we have proven that GravD is definitely driving some systematic errors out of existing gravity data sets. So on first rollout, GOA 2022 will come out. It'll cover those regions. It'll be openly available to anyone to use but it will likely be built upon historic gravity and altimetry data in those particular regions. In the out years, uh, we do expect that there's gonna be improvements to GOA 2022, uh, predominantly based on, on new flights. 
Um, and we've been talking to Canada about this, Mexico, as I said, Caribbean and Central America. Whether or not, you know, or where we start, we're not sure, but um, we'll, we'll, it'll definitely be out there and available. And it'll give a consistency across the entire region because it'll be a single model. Awesome. Thanks, Drew. Um, is the mobile app currently available now? Yeah, yeah, and I, I should be careful. If I said app, that is a mistake. It is a mobile-friendly web page. By doing it that way, we, we basically built it using HTML5. So what happens is whether you're using an Android or an iPhone, you pick up your browser, go to that particular page, and the page should look right on your on your smartphone. But it is if we did not specifically build an, build an app because there still is sort of that, well, if I pick iPhone versus Android, I am choosing to support this and not choosing to support that. So we, we wanted to make it useful while being platform independent. And yes, okay. it is available. Awesome. Um, another question is, with plate fixed global datums, why would we need a SPS or S state plane coordinate systems 2022? Does the state plane coordinate systems take into account some other data? Uh, the state plane coordinate system is projected coordinates. So, um, for example, NatRef is a it's just a rigid global Cartesian frame XYZ. You can think of it as a rigid global lat long ellipsoid height frame if you like, but neither one of those are state plane coordinates. State plane coordinates are projected coordinates um, that surveyors find useful, have found useful for almost a century now. Um, we, in fact, we we had some discussions about whether or not there would be the need for for uh, projected coordinates. Couldn't everyone just start using latitude, longitude, ellipsoid height? And the truth of the matter was there was just too much inertia uh, at the moment to completely drop it. But um, so state plane coordinates, they're being designed in coordination state by state uh, to make sure that either we're giving some sort of you know, default design or if a state wants a particular design, they, they can design it themselves. Um, but we cannot do away with it because they are not interchangeable with plate fixed frames. They are a different type of coordinate altogether being um, projected coordinates. Thanks, Drew. And um, will the NGS do away with establishing static monument markers? Well, the National Geodetic Survey has not been in the business of establishing static markers in decades, quite frankly. That has been the work of our customers. Uh, for the most part, our customers are putting marks in that are useful to them in locations that are useful to them and turning that data into us. We are going to continue that process. Um, and I, I say that definitively because I was one of the first people who threw a lot of the radical ideas on the table. Can we stop supporting um, what, what is traditionally called passive control or static control? Uh, which I'm now just referring to as infrequently surveyed survey marks. Um, and the simple matter, fact of the matter is the way those static marks worked in the past is going to be different than the way they work in the future. So, we, so first of all, we're not putting them in, but we're going to continue to support our customers who need them. As a great example, let's say I'm a, a state DOT putting a new highway in. I might need some static control to keep things uh, on the construction site uh, under control. And I need that out there for say 10 years. But rather than put down coordinates on a piece of static control and let those coordinates sit forever, NGS might recommend, you know, you might want to recheck those coordinates. Even if you're working in NatRef, uh, you might be working in an area with a little bit of deformation and make sure your coordinates are up to date. But the most important thing then that's behind what I just said is, Static control's real um, role of the future should be a temporary holder of a good coordinate and then also a monitor of change in an, in an area. And think, for example, of static control in southern Louisiana, an area known to have some pretty rapid subsidence. You pour a concrete belt you know, into the ground and it's two feet deep and that mark is flush with the ground and it continues to stay flush with the ground while the ground subsides. If someone surveys that mark year in and year out, what you're going to see 
on a current data sheet is not, you're not going to see a lot of that time dependency. You might not even see that point changing until a large enough amount of changes has caused us to put a step function in. And then we might bury the superseded coordinate somewhere deep in the data sheet. In the future data delivery system, what you might see on that static control is you might see that somebody has surveyed that particular mark 10 times over 10 years, and we're going to show you that ellipsoid height with error bars changing and dropping year in and year out. We think that sort of information is critical, especially for coastal managers to understand the movements of the geodata control that they're relying upon. We think that coastal managers, FEMA, anyone especially who relies on heights and on, and on good heights to save lives and to save property ought to be embracing the idea that NGS is going to put height change right in your face so that you can see it. And you know that's, that's the role of static control in the future. It's not to hold a coordinate permanently. Okay. And a question came in from Scott. He was asking, uh, will there be another industry workshop with NGS similar to the one in 2018? Yeah, I, we haven't we haven't put that on the table yet, but I think that's a fantastic idea. Uh, for those of you who are not aware of it, you know, NGS really tried hard last year to put as many of our uh, as many alpha versions of our product out in the hands of Trimble and other industry partners, based on some conversations we had at an industry workshop with them. Um, we succeeded in some cases, and we failed in others, but the intent was to give industry as much advance notice as possible on where we're going and what are the tools really honest to God going to start looking like. Um, now that we are crafting a delay message, that gives us, you know, the time, I think, to do another check-in with industry and say, okay, now, you know, now that a few years have passed, have you seen this? Where, you know, where do we need to steer the ship slightly, slightly differently? So um, while we haven't had that conversation, I personally, I would, I would support us doing that again. Yeah. Awesome. And how will the new um, state plane coordinate system work with the NATREF 2022? The way the new state plane coordinate system will work is very similar to how it, it works today with NAD83. Um, there will be an official set of projected uh, parameters that if I have a latitude and a longitude in NAD83, for example, I can get the state plane coordinates in the, as long as I know what zone I'm working in. Similarly here, if I have a latitude and longitude in, say, NATREF, and I'm interested in, um, a, let's say, the statewide zone for Kansas, there's definitely going to be a transformation, or excuse me, a projection between the two, but everything comes with an epic. So when I say I have a latitude and longitude, that means I have a latitude and longitude at an epic, and that means I'm going to get a state plane coordinate at an epic. And so if I change the epic I, and I change the latitude and longitude, that means I'm going to end up changing the state plane coordinate. So state plane coordinates, like latitudes and longitudes, are going to have epic-dependent coordinates. Okay. And what will, the, what will be the recommended time for recording a new position or epic for a point? This is a fantastic question. And we do not know the answer. Um, but, I, but we, so in, it, it's, in fact, it's just such a timely question and I really wish I had more answers. All I can tell you is this, these conversations have risen up in the last, uh, two to three months at NGS specifically, you know, what are, what is good, what is trusted in, in the world of geodetic control? You know, is it right that NGS should actually, you know, and, and I'll tell you right now, this is, this is happening today that you could. Find a height, an NAVD88 height right now today that was probably adjusted in the original 1991 adjustment, and it probably hasn't seen a level rod since 1960-something, and that's the official height on that mark, and it could be in an area that has some subsidence that has never been checked. We don't think that that's the right way to do um, trusted geodetic control of the future. So. What's the right time? I don't know. Um, I think there's going to have to be some sort of regional dependence because we know for a fact that subsidence is huge in the, in the Gulf Coast region. It's huge in the agricultural district of California. So if I were to guess, and this is just me, you know, spitballing, there might be something like a staleness factor to marks or to, excuse me, to coordinates where 
if a point hasn't seen a, an, a whether it be a GPS or it's been a, a level uh, survey, there might be something like, I don't know, 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, something that says, we just don't know enough about what's happened to this mark in the last decade or two. We're going to pull it out of the automatically published list. So when someone says, show, show me the marks in my area, I envision a filter that says, ah, no, 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 no. I'm only going to show people the trusted marks, and they got to go out of their way to ask for marks that haven't seen a survey in X number of years. And what X is, I don't know, but I do think we needed to, to produce something like that. So I wish I could give you a better answer, but I want you to know we're working on it. Awesome. A lot of comments coming in saying, go Buckeyes. Um, Fantastic. I, yeah, I always have to give a plug for the Ohio State University. <laughs> um, if someone is using RTK, will this affect the coordinate that was shot in um, using the NAVD 83 from the year to year? It, it's, it depends. It really does depend. So um, I'm glad you brought up both RTK and RTN. Uh, NGS has made a lot of noise, but not a lot of progress about aligning with the RTN operators out there. And what we really would like to do is, is the following. We'd, we'd like to be in a world where someone who is using a rover, whether it be to their own personal base station or whether it be to a, a subscription network, whatever it should be, that when that rover says, here's your coordinate in the NSRS, right now NGS does not know a whole lot about whether or not that coordinate really is in the NSRS. We assume so, but we see many different standards of, standards of practice distributed around this nation. And so it's hard to say for sure that if you get an NAD83 coordinate right now out of say a particular RTN, and there's, a, there's an overlapping RTN to that region. It's hard for us to say whether or not those two RTNs are gonna give you the same coordinate and whether or not either one of them is correct. We think the best approach in the future would be for us to build a system where RTN operators can provide that service to their customers. They work with us to make sure that their base station coordinate functions are aligned to a certain level uh, at with the NSRS, that the correctors they're putting out to their rovers uh, allow for an alignment at a certain level. And what that certain level is, that's the service, is people can know, okay, uh, NGS has worked with you know, this particular operator, and they say that no matter what I get out of this rover, you know, 95% of the time, I'm at one centimeter horizontal, 90, you know, 95% accuracy uh, within the NSRS. And that, you know, we hope that that would increase the, the interaction and the use of the NSRS. Um, so anyway, uh, in the future, as someone's doing that, a lot of that depends on whether or not uh, NGS has been working with you know, the base station operators to make sure there's an alignment. But yeah, if you're, if you're working in NatRef in, in the real-time world of the future, you're working in NatRef and you're working in, say, North Dakota, like the example I showed, then year in and year out, you might very well survey the same static mark, hit it, and get just about the exact same latitude and longitude as you got the year before, because the only thing happening to that point horizontally is tectonic rotation, and boy, doesn't that net ref coordinate look good. But like I said, you know, you, you could be somewhere else, Kansas, Minnesota, you think you're in the most stable part of the plate, but you happen to be in the one that just is deforming a little bit. Um, and then slowly over time, a half a millimeter a year is going to look, you know, once, once you start uh, taking a lot of years into account, you're going to start seeing a systematic trend of drift that's going to be, you know, on that mark. Uh, obviously, the people in the West Coast have long since known about this and, and have uh, been dealing with it. But, you know, you're going to certainly see that in any area where the tectonic rotation is not um, the only signal uh, of, of any size. So hopefully that answers the question. Awesome. Thanks, Drew. And that kind of is a nice segue into the next and final question. We're a little pinched for time here, but um, considering plate deformation on the West Coast, what will drift look like in NatRef compared to the current NAT83 in the Pacific Northwest? Um, so it's going to look a lot like it does today. Uh, the um, 
the, def the deformations going on in the West Coast are fairly well understood. Um, really, the, the one, you know, the one drift difference you're going to see is this, that NAD83 is ostensibly plate fixed, but it really isn't. Um, the last two versions of NAD83, NAD83 2007 and NAD83 2011, they differed by four years. And if the if the plate fixed it, if the <laughs> plate fixed it, if the rotation had been nailed perfectly, a four-year difference in time would have manifest as no significant horizontal change between those two. And that's not what happened. If you look at the difference between latitude and longitude in NAD8307 and 2011, you actually see a little residual rotation going on. So. What's that going to mean for, for NatRef? NatRef is going to get the rotation as right as we can. Um, so that will have an impact across CONUS, including the deformation signal in the West. But that deformation signal is so large um, that it is, you know, this tiny correction of the residual rotation problem of NAD83, that, that'd be lost in the size of the deformation that's going on in the West. So. So what you what you would end up seeing is um, in NatRef, if you let's say you're working in California, uh, you're going to see that a 2020 coordinate on a point in California is going to look quite different than its 2025 coordinate. That's a different statement than I'd make in say Kansas, where those 2020 and 2025s are going to look very similar. So the deformations in there, it's it, it is uh, going to be modeled and, and embraced and put right out in front of people. Here's, here's your coordinate in 2020. Here's your coordinate in 2025. We, NGS, are planning to at least support the most recent reference epics. So all of our tools ostensibly should go back to, say, 2020 when we first get started. Um, how far back, how many times you're going to continue to uh, adjust projects back to a reference epic, that's currently up for debate. Um, and since it is, and since we don't really have any answers, I should probably stop there and, and hopefully that answered the question. Thank you, Drew. Really appreciate it. Um, we could probably ask you questions all day, but we got to move on here. Um, if you guys have some more questions, please drop them in the questions box and we'll try to get to those um, later on as your emails are, have been provided. So um, really quick, I want to mention some resources and next steps for, for you all. Um, as always, we have the TBC Geospatial webpage. Um, a lot of questions came in as far as, you know, where can I see um, this recording of this power hour? Well, I would highly recommend visiting this geospatial webpage for TBC. Uh, we post all sorts of things on here, such as you know, um, latest versions download, uh, what's you know, bulletins and support notes, tutorials, and also links to webinars at no cost. So coming in here and viewing all the the power hours is um, available. We also have a TBC tutorials page. Um, there's over 40 of these today. Um, tutorials include PDF instructions as well as sample data for you guys to download and use. Um, highly recommend visiting this. We also have our TBC YouTube channel uh, with um, quite a few playlists and, and it's a great resource for you guys to come in here and, and learn TBC um, workflow based and then also just use it as troubleshooting if you need to. Um, there's over 300 videos so far. so. As mentioned earlier, we have a TBC monthly power hours and is also linked in this um, website. So please go ahead and view, um, you know, do a free live demo or workflow and TBC, um, come in here and view those accordingly. All of these are posted and readily available for you guys. Uh, we also have a TBC tips page um, where we post uh, pretty much every Friday. Um, we have a hundred tips and counting for you guys. So please check that out as well. Uh, we also have our TBC community page for Geospatial, which is a public blog for you guys to come in and chat um, and talk amongst your peers about how you're using TBC and figure out um, some tips and tricks here as well. TBC news and notifications. So in the, t in the feed, uh, when you start TBC um, in the start page, we post all sorts of announcements and, and webinar announcements for you guys to check out. Um, you can also use for um, TBC um, check for updates. So if you have anything with Coordinate System Manager, uh, you can update there or update to the newest version of TBC version 530 as well.
we have our Trimble Geospatial Help Portal available to you guys. So using this link above, this presentation will be available to you guys to come in and check out. Um, this is a gateway to a variety of Trimble Geospatial products such as TBC, Access, Sync Manager, and others. Um, and just a great to use for a starting point um, and get to know some of our resources. Uh, there's also a TBC community construction page. So if you're more heavily involved in the construction industry, please visit this. Um, this is monitored by the TBC team and try to get your answers from TBC and end users there. Um, we also have a macros community page. So you guys can come in here and ask questions and learn how to write ma uh, macros in the Trimble uh, TML. Uh, post your macros for distribution and feedback and download sample macros from the TBC team um, to learn more about TBC projects and Iron Python. And I want to say a big thank you to Dr. Drew Smith for attending and hosting today. Um, I thought this was a great power hour and we hope you guys um, saw a lot of benefit from it. So thank you for attending and thanks again, Drew. It was really, really fascinating work that you guys are doing at NGS. Thanks for the invitation. I really enjoyed the uh, the opportunity to, to come here today. So hopefully we can do it again in the future. Awesome. Thank you all.